this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode seven of the Firefighters Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Serra. Joining me this week will be a good friend of mine, retired firefighter, Joe McKay. And joining me as always will be your favorite firehouse cooking correspondent, my daughter, Frankie. This week's roll call is dedicated to the 12 FDNY members who perished at the 23rd Street Fire in Manhattan on October 17th, 1966. As the members tried to make their way to the seat of the fire, a 15 by 35 foot section of the floor collapsed, leaving 10 members to fall into the burning cellar. Two other firefighters were killed in a flashover on the first floor. The members lost were Deputy Chief Thomas A. Riley, 3rd Division, Battalion Chief Walter J. Higgins, 7th Battalion, Lieutenant John J. Finley, Ladder Company 7, Lieutenant Joseph Priori, Engine Company 18, Firefighter John G. Barry, Ladder Company 7. Firefighter James V. Kalinaw, Engine Company 18. Firefighter Rudolph K. Kaminsky, Ladder Company 7. Firefighter Joseph Kelly, Engine Company 18. Firefighter Carl Lee, Ladder Company 7. Firefighter William F. McCarran, 3rd Division. Firefighter Daniel L. Ray, Engine Company 18. Firefighter Bernard A. Tepper, Engine Company 18. May they rest in peace. Five of these men came from my company, Engine 18. In 1998, Engine 18 became Squad 18 when it joined the Special Operations Command. Squad 18 responds to most of Manhattan for major emergencies. However, in our first and second due and third due area, we still respond as Engine Company 18. So these members are still part of our history. Their pictures and plaques are still up on the wall. Their family members still come to visit. Uh, One family member in particular was an infant that day. And a lot of what she knows about her dad comes from taking those trips to the firehouse. Even still, even though the, the members working weren't even close to being alive, we still carry on those traditions and we still keep their spirits alive. Ladder Company 7 also suffered a tremendous loss at the 23rd Street Fire, which at the time was the deadliest fire in FDNY history. And these two companies both suffered a tremendous loss on 9-11, which is now the deadliest fire in FDNY history. So we remember their sacrifice, we keep their traditions and their history alive, and we will never forget them. Last week, Mike and I discussed how he deals with these types of tragedies. So I thought it'd be nice to follow it up with somebody who took quite a different path uh, to wellness. 
So here he is to bring us along his long, strange trip to recovery is Joe McKay. Joining me this week, I have a good friend of mine, retired FDNY firefighter, Joe McKay. Joe, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, I wanted to have Joe on this week. This was kind of a last minute thing. Um, Cause honestly, I'm having a bad week. And on Monday, um, I had a particularly bad day. And unfortunately, you know, I had commitments and we had our Ray Pfeiffer Foundation golf outing. Um, mm. And fortunately for me, I have Joe who, who kindly picked me up and drove me there um, as he so often did um, when we were going to Washington and everything else. So, so I thought it was apropos to have Joe on uh, to discuss this. So if you're down, um, I'm down. All right. Um, because yeah, man, cause you know, I, I want to be honest with the show and, and talk about the real life things that, that we're all going through. Right. Um, yeah. mostly associated with our time with the fire department. And I know you, um, have had your own battles. Um, I had Mike on last week, who's a good friend of both of ours. Um, and we both famously know his <laughs> crazy Captain Mike, <laughs> crazy Captain Mike. We know, uh, his battles and love how him. he deals with things. Yep. Yeah. Love, love that guy to death, man. He's you gotta awesome. love him. Um, but, uh, so let's get right to it with you. Um, I know you had, you had some bad experiences on the job. Um, not just nine yeah. 11. Um, you've had some other things that were difficult to deal with things that I can, I can, uh, I can relate to, you know, um, you know, I've had to work on and handle dead children, um, and parts of dead children. And, and those for me, they, they stick around a lot longer, right? Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know why. I, I know. I, I mean, more so now that I'm a parent, I mean, you've been a parent a lot longer than me. Um, yeah. You know, so let, let's start with like some of the things that, that really affected you. And then, then I'd like to get into where you're okay. at now. Yeah. Well, the first thing that came to mind, um, ironically, it was, uh, it was two weeks before nine 11. Um, I was working in, in uh, my company in uh, Engine 201 in uh, Sunset Park, Brooklyn. Um, we, uh, we had a run. It uh, was a pedestrian struck run. I want to say maybe like 1130 at night. Um, we get there and um, it was underneath the Gowanus Expressway. It was pretty dark under there. Uh, when we arrived, there was one uh, police car um, blocking off traffic. And basically no one else was around. We saw one vehicle in the middle of the, in the middle of third Avenue. And, um, there was, uh, two adults, um, in the street, two female adults, uh, you know, unconscious in the street. And, um, there was a civilian, uh, screaming and pointing, um, you know, towards underneath the vehicle. Um, and under the vehicle was, uh, it was about two and a half, uh, a little boy, um, not breathing. Uh, you know, so, I mean, you're in normally when you get a run, but you know, you see people down like that and you go into the mode, whatever. And then, you know, not that you, you handle it any real differently, but, um, when it's a kid, it kind of, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. It just, it's, it puts you in another mindset, not that yeah. you're going to do anything less for an adult, but the kid just means something else. And, and, 
maybe it's like you said, maybe it's because, you know, we all have kids and, you know, the innocence of it or, or, or what have you. But um, we, uh, <clears throat> you know, like I said, it was pretty dark. I, I really couldn't see all that well. I was, you know, my captain was saying, what do you need? What do you need? And I, I you know, light was the first thing I said. Um, I could just barely see the, you know, the kid, he was, um, underneath the engine compartment and, um, I'm trying to ascertain whether he was caught on, on anything and, you know, just trying to get him out and check his vitals and see what was going on. It was, you know, it was not responsive. I didn't hear uh, any crying or anything else going on. So, um, once I got a little more light, we, uh, you know, I ended up pulling the kid out from underneath the car and, um, you know, as we, we always do, we put, you know, put our face down to see if we can get any breathing, check, you know, checking the vitals. And, and, uh, uh, I, I felt a tiny little puff of air and, you know, I'm waiting for the second one. And mm. now like literally it was like this kid's last breath, you know? Uh, so we, we started, uh, immediately started CPR, obviously. Um, the, I mean, it seemed like forever, but, um, the first ambulance that came in, they, uh, you know, that was a load and go situation. You know, we weren't, it was literally four blocks from the hospital. Um, so the first ambulance that came, the, the medics, uh, uh, grabbed them right away and took off. And then I, I moved over and I, uh, started CPR with, a uh, an ESU cop who had just come up on the scene. Um, one of the other two adults was a, a, a woman who was pregnant. She's about eight months, uh, myself and the EMS, uh, I'm sorry, the, the um, emergency service cop were, were doing CPR on her. Um, she was pretty banged up. Um, obviously, you know, she had a, a belly, so we, we know we knew she was pregnant and all. And uh, another bus came shortly after, and we we went into, uh, you know, we went on the bus, continued CPR until basically uh, all the way into the, uh, into the emergency room. Uh, up to the point where we, you know, we put her on the table and the surgeons came in and it was, uh, oof, man, it seemed like 15, 20 seconds. Uh, this doctor had the, the baby, the unborn baby out, uh, out of the mother's body and on the, on the mother's chest. Um, wow. and it was just like, you know, it's not, we, we don't, as firemen, you know, and first responders, it's very, very rare that you actually, get to the hospital like that and, and, and see that, you know, that aspect of the medical, you know, right. of medical care that, that the people receive. But it was, uh, it was, it was just, uh, you know, you, you go into that mode as a fine, you go into that mode, it's, it's about the job and you don't have time to think about anything else. You're just totally focused on keeping this person alive or what have you. Um, the, once the baby was out, we stepped aside and more medical personnel came in and, and um, at that point, we kind of gathered on the, uh, I don't even know what they call it. I guess it's like an apron, the apron where uh, the uh, EMS uh, drops the patients off there. Right. And um, we had a little uh, a little powwow there for a couple of minutes. We, hung, we were hanging out to try to get more information on the kid, see, you know, what was going on. It was probably 20, 20 30 minutes, and we got word that the kid had a heart rate of about half of what it should have been. Uh, it was, it should have been over 100, 120 or something. I remember, but it was, it yeah, was pretty, it was half of what it should be. It, yeah. The infant, regardless, um, we had left the hospital and at that point they had pronounced, um, the, the mother, uh, they had pronounced her, her dead as well as her younger sister, who was the other adult. She was about 17 years old. 
but the two children were alive, um, barely clinging to life. So we we left the hospital with the hope that, you know, hey, at least, the, you know, the kids maybe will, will make it, you know. Uh, I want to say probably like six in the morning, um, I get up to have a cup of coffee and, to, and you know, go in the kitchen. Um, and I saw a report on TV and the reporter said that the, the, uh, you know, there were, uh, the children had died as well as the parent, as well yeah. as the parents. So, so that was a little, uh, you know, we were a little taken back. The guy was like, Oh, that, that's, you know, I think they got it wrong because, you know, we left right. the hospital and they were all right. You know, it was more or less like that. And then, uh, we called and, and sure enough, they, they had passed and, um, the medics that worked on, uh, the kids with us had come to the firehouse for a cup of coffee and to just, to, I guess, to decompress a little bit. Sure. But they used the term, and I don't know if you, you probably heard it yourself, uh, in your, in your career with the fire department. Um, not too much from firefighters, but from, in this case, you know, an EMS guy had said we had, we looked like we had the glaze, the glaze look. And I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know what that was. We had no idea. And he said, yeah, maybe, maybe you should take, uh, you know, take a day, uh, uh, you know, a mental health day or what, you know, more along those lines. I forget the wording he used, but, um, we were all like, yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're good. You know, you know, well, that was good advice. Fine, but yeah. It, well, yeah, well, we didn't, obviously in the moment we didn't want to take it, but right. yeah, that, that glaze, apparently they get, uh, EMS probably gets a lot of it themselves and it's, uh, you know, it's that indication that you're kind of like in a shock, I guess. Right. But, uh, but well, I, also I, they, they, they go into the hospital more, right? Like, like you were saying, we yeah. don't really go in that deep. And, and a lot no. of times we don't know what the result was because it's not on the news. So we don't really yeah. follow up and find out what happened. Uh, so that's, that's rare, but yeah. The, the, the emotional attachment, right? It's not, you don't yeah. really have an emotional attachment. It's, you know, you, you have the job to do, you try to keep, save their life and keep them alive. And then, you know, after that, it's the family's job or whatever to be right. concerned about the, yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, exactly. That, that was, that was the one that sticks out the most. Um, I, ironically, like I said, it was two weeks prior to nine 11. And for those two weeks, it kind of, it kind of ba- bounced around our heads a little bit, myself, my captain, um, and, and two of the other firefighters, uh, one of which, uh, was Chris Pickford. Uh, Chris was one of the guys that we lost on nine 11. Um, he was on a rotation. It was his second stop. Uh, yeah. And, um, I want to say maybe, maybe a couple of days before nine 11, I had, we had talked about it a little bit in the kitchen, just like, you know, in passing saying, yeah, what, how messed up it was. And still like still bouncing around. You had a little bit to see, you know, to see that, but yeah, it happens a lot. It, there, there'd been plenty of other instances too, but like you opened up with the kid, man. I mean, anytime you're dealing with kids, you know, the two o'clock in the morning call, right. Get, yeah. uh, you know, infant not breathing. It's a SIDS call or whatever. That's, you know, that stays with you, you know? Right. And, and so it sounds like you, you didn't really have any, enough time to really even deal with that issue because of nine 11. No. So, no, I no. mean, no, I mean, we don't have to get into nine 11. We've covered it tremendously so far on the show, but at, at a certain point, did it come back to you? Did it come back on you or, or was it something that after you retired, started bubbling. No, it, it, it came back. It came back from time to time. Uh, like you said, it was I mean, two weeks after that was nine 11. So like everything, right. you know, yeah, it was a new changed, low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole world <laughs> changed. Yeah. To say the least. Uh, but yeah, there, there were times when, uh, you know, 
when it came back and, and you know, anytime you're dealing with kids and, and I have my own kids like you, like, you know, like you mentioned before, yeah, it, it, the vision pops up in your head from time to time. So yeah, man, I, I, I didn't, didn't process it, you know, for, for a very long time, you know, but did you, did you ever go, did you ever go back and, and discuss it with the other guys? Um, is that something, no. is that that's something well, I've never done? Yeah, uh, actually, my captain, my my captain and I discussed it. Uh, he was he was working also so that that night. So, yeah, we uh, briefly, you know, we didn't really get into into too much. It's just, it's just more or less like uh, the conversation was like, "Hey, man, you know, it's things are messed up. We know that, you know. We try to focus on the good kind of thing, you know. Right. That was short and sweet, but never never really dealing with the substance, you know. Yeah. And I'd imagine with that one, I, I remember uh, a little bit about that incident. Um, it was on the news a lot, right? So yeah. hard for you to put it yeah. out of your mind if you're constantly. It was a drunk, a drunk driver. Yeah. Who right. Did it as well. So. Yeah. So that had to be. Uh, had to make it worse. It harder. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I, I feel like that's always an issue with 9-11 is, is especially every August and September. It's just a constant barrage of images, you know, on the television. Um, so even for me, <laughs> even other incidents, like there's things that come up, like, uh, you know, I responded to that plane crash in Queens. Um, and even just getting on an airplane for me, uh, seeing a seat or the smells or, you know, all those images, like they creep back up on you when you, when you don't expect it. Right. It, it takes you, it takes you back to that time. Like you right. actually, you kind of <laughs> it's like montage thing, whatever, whatever they call it in a show business, but you actually go back there in your head, you know, and you remember what was going on and how you were feeling and, and whatnot. Um, yeah. Without the cool music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, or, the, or the great editing of special effects. Right. Unfortunately, the memories are worse than what they could put on television usually, right? Yes, absolutely. All right. So... I should, I, wanna, I should mention too, I should mention okay. before we go any further, I, I just yeah. got back from vacation. So I got a little sun. So if it looks like I'm a little red, it's probably because of that. I, I don't want to mention vacations. it. You know. Yeah, no, I, I do. I look like I'm angry, right? So. Uh, a little bit. That's not the reason why. But. You're getting more red. So you might want to change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you can see, also, Joe is going with the, the tradition on the show of having no. Uh, decorations behind him uh in the shot um seems to be a trend uh my yeah i, I kicked my daughter out of her uh study room here, so. <laughs> all right well we appreciate it um so something we discussed on monday um because as i said i was having a bad day and you and i have always been pretty open with that kind of stuff uh probably more so yes. than than most men our age are with other dudes right um, absolutely you said something to me that I thought was interesting. You told me about how you felt on September 12th uh, yeah. this year, um, which, which actually I appreciated hearing and it kind of gave me some hope. Uh, do you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, absolutely. Just let me get a drink of water here first. Yeah. All right. Gear up. So, um, so a, a little background with me. Um, I was assigned to engine 201. 
uh, on 9-11, we lost four guys. Um, and uh, John Schott was one. Shotzi, we called him. Uh, Lieutenant Martini, Greg Buck, and Chris Pickford, who I mentioned before. Um, I was going to work on, on that day. Um, I wasn't scheduled to work, but I had offered to work for, for John, who, you know, Shotzi, we call him. Um, that day we had a fundraiser, uh, in Staten Island for a, uh, uh, emergency fund that we have in our battalion. If, uh, somebody's kid gets sick or, or some, you know, something happens, a family emergency, we keep a couple of dollars in there to, to, uh, to help, you know, to help them out. So it was our turn to run it that year. So for that reason, we were on Staten Island and the golf course running the outing. I don't golf. Um, so I offered to work for, for John. And John said, nah, don't worry about it. You know, you go ahead and work. Um, I'm, uh, I'm scheduled to work the night tour anyway, which I was also. So he says, I'll just work the tour and, you, you know, I'll see you that night. So it was, okay, fine. But, um, yeah, he was, uh, his wife was actually pregnant with the third child and he was, they planned on, they, he, she just got a confirmation they had planned on celebrating. So it made it, made it a little worse. But yeah, it was uh, the four guys that we lost on, um, on 11 and like many other firemen in the New York city fire department, they, they knew quite a few, um, you know, myself, cause I wrote, I did that rotation program that you had spoke about on a previous episode. Um, and I got around to two other firehouses in New York and, and these other firehouses were two, two or three companies of, you know, an engine truck and a chief and some of them, you get to know all these guys, you know? So, out of 343, I was basically on a first name basis with 26 of them. So you can imagine, um, you know, what it's like to just have 26, you know, one is bad enough, but 26 guys that, you know, you know, gone in in an instant. Uh, so yeah, that that left me like everybody else, you know, in a, in a pretty bad place. Um, six months, uh, you know, working on the pile, um, during that time, we, we had four memorials, uh, for, for our guys. Um, we hadn't recovered the bodies, um, after the fourth memorial, it was maybe two weeks. Uh, we found, we found the first guy and shortly after, um, we found the three when we were lucky, uh, to actually be able to bring them home. So it was four funerals after that. Um, and then it was funerals with you. I'm preaching to the choir. It was every day. Yeah. Right. If you weren't digging at the trade center or, or working in the firehouse covering a tour, you would, you know, you would volunteer to dig or you were going to funerals or taking care of the families of, of you know, of the, the guys that we lost. Bad time. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, for all of us, um, never been that low in my life. And I probably say most of us were in the same boat. Um, six months after, um, there I am. We had just got done working on a pile and, and I've, wasn't, I think it was like midnight. My went with my captain. We had a drink, um, before we were going home and I had one scotch and I wasn't feeling well. I went home after that. I said, I got to go next night. I was scheduled to work. I mean, I got detailed to another company and it was about one, one or so in the morning. And I felt like suddenly I had an ice cream headache. You know, when you eat ice cream too fast, you get that pain. Over. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sitting there. I didn't have, you know, I wasn't eating ice cream and I just, you know, like, Oh geez, how the hell what's going on? You know, uh, it got worse and worse after that. And, uh, to the point where I thought I was having an aneurysm, I never 
in my life had experienced any kind of pain. It was a burning, stabbing pain. Like I said, it begins like, uh, you know, like uh, an ice cream headache, but it kept getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I ended up in the emergency room and they sent me home with a, a diagnosis of unspecified headache uh, or unspecified migraine. This is what they uh, sent me home with. Yeah. Um, weeks go by. I'm still still getting these, you know, I call them attacks because that's what they are now. Um, but I got diagnosed with something called trigeminal autonomic cephalgia or uh, cluster or suicide headache uh, is another name for it. And they call it suicide headache because you're 20 times more likely to, uh, to kill yourself with this condition, you know, more so than the general public. So there I was, you know, um, we're, we're six month, months out, it's seven months out, whatever it was from, from 9-11. It was still a lot, whole lot going on. Um, dealing with the emotional toll that we all had to deal with. And then, you know, thinking at that point, it couldn't get any worse. Now I got this incurable neurological condition that's going to haunt me for the rest of my life. You know, it's, I can get, you know, eight attacks a day. And sometimes they keep me up at night. Um, you know, not sometimes, a lot of times, actually, they, they come when you go into REM sleep sometimes. Um, and as a fireman, uh, you know, REM sleep is not something that you get consistently, you know, you work in night tours or what have you, yeah. but, um, even when you're home, but yeah. you, know, you don't, you don't catch up. No, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of caffeine, a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, um, a lot of Mr. You know, Mr. Stuff at home and, and what have you. But, um, after that, I had a, you know, a, a pretty uh, rough time like everybody else. There's a lot of drinking. I believe mm-hmm. uh, our friend Captain Mike had spoken about that. I remember, um, you know, being with him a few times with the, with the drinking. So to say, we, you know, we, were, we weren't stressed would be ridiculous. We were all super stressed. Um, but I never, uh, I never sought out help. Um, even though it was offered so many times in the firehouse by, uh, by our peers, right. We had, if you remember, there was a, a bunch of retired guys that were working with the council and they would yeah. travel around firehouses mm-hmm. from time to time. And, um, it was kind of like, uh, there was an attitude Yeah, we don't need, you know, that, Hey, come, we'll make you a coffee, sit down, we'll right. talk, whatever, but, but we're good. Don't worry about it. And I was, yeah, that, you were cordial. Stiff, uh, yeah. It was also the stiff up, the stiff upper lip, uh, right. attitude too, you know, you, you gotta be tough and, uh, you know, almost to the point where actually what it really happened. There was one, one guy who, who, uh, who was real big. He spoke out about, um, about seeking out help. Um, you know, he was one of the first guys to go to the council and he got ostracized in the firehouse for it, believe yeah. it or not. And looking back on that now, I, I mean, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't say how, how wrong that was to, to you know, to do that. Right. you know, to, to this one guy, but, um, well, here, here it is fast forward 20 years later. Um, uh, a lot's happened since then. Um, my personal journey, I don't know if I really, well, I guess, well, maybe I will get into it. <laughs> I'll, uh, break, Go ahead, I'll break this Go. Go ahead. So, um, so during, during the course of me having cluster headache and, and seeking, um, seeking help, I, I found a, uh, online support group, um, called cluster busters and it would say an advocacy and research group, um, for people that have this horrible 
disease. Um, and on the uh, on their website, they said that people could uh, uh, or people were getting relief from using psychedelic drugs. So myself, uh, when I read it, I, I was kind of like, uh, yeah, I've never touched it as a kid. <laughs> never wanted to touch it. Um, and, and I, and I didn't for a long time, um, until I retired, um, I had to retire. I had, um, you know, a few medical conditions that caused me to retire from, from nine 11. And one of them was this, this headache thing, which by the way, disclaimer, no one knows what causes it. They kind of have an idea what triggers it, but the medical science can't say actually what, what causes cause the headache. But I knew that there were certain things that would trigger attacks and make the attacks worse. So, um, sleep deprivation was one and, 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 you know, there's a, a bunch of things, uh, but you knew, so, but you didn't have any this condition before nine 11, right? No, it was six months. So, it was six months after. So I, it, I, I had no, yeah. I think that's important to point out to people, you know, and something I, I, I say all the time is that for, for a lot of us, myself included health, those health conditions started immediately. It wasn't like, you know, they said three to five years, you start seeing some cancers. No, some of us, for me, it was that day. Yeah, I started uh, feeling different and dealing with different types of issues. So, you know, I think that's important to point out. And also, I just want to slide in there. I don't want to take you off topic, but oh, there, is, there is a link between these conditions and, and toxins, right? Between your cluster headaches. Oh. Um, there's, yeah, headache, I know that's a whole nother road, but it's a whole nother, yeah, no, it's a whole nother road, but yeah, there are, the science does know that, that toxins smoke and certain things can cause, um, problems in the brain. There's something called a toxic brain injury, which a lot of veterans now that served Iraq and in Iraq, Afghanistan are coming home with due to their burn pit exposure. Right. But yeah, there's actually something called toxic brain injury. And, and there is proven that, that a lot of the substances, do cause, um, you know, neurological conditions and headaches and, and what have you. But, um, you know, again, there's not a whole lot of research with it, you know, um, with headaches, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll keep going. I'll, I'll pick up. Yeah, again, sorry. You, Get, no, go back, go back no, where you were. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. no, it's all right. I'm just trying to remember where, exactly <laughs> where I was. I'm sorry, but ramble on a little bit. The, um, it was, uh, I, it was 2011 when I retired. Um, I had, uh, at that point been using oxygen only, believe it or not, if you breathe in 100% oxygen, if you get to it quick enough, it will help abort an attack. Uh, other than that, there were medications, um, uh, triptan drugs that uh, like vasoconstrictors, very violent. The side effects are horrible. It, uh, you can get a, uh, an aneurysm stroke, this, um, cardiac conditions as well. Uh, and, and then again, that was that drug. I can only use two a day two of the shots, it's an injectable. And I, there were days when I was getting eight attacks, so it wasn't really a feasible way to, to abort the attacks. So I started doing more searching. And like I said before, that, that, that group called cluster Busters, they had, um, you know, no, you know, no qualms about saying, Hey, listen, there are people that had psychedelics and, um, you know, whether it's LSD or, or mushrooms and, uh, and they were experiencing relief from this condition, from the cluster headaches. Uh, they ha actually posted results from a study that was done at Harvard uh, years ago with LSD and cluster headache. And it was, uh, you know, the, the results were, you know, were like, hey, I think it was 
six, uh, six out of seven people that, that were, you know, the study was small at the time. It was very, I think they actually had to do it in Germany because of the, the drug laws here. So, right. but six out of the seven people reported relief and there's no pharmaceutical drug on the market that, that was even, even came close. So for that reason, I'll fast forward now to this day, there's, there's studies going on, um, with a doctor, and actually, I, I got to know her pretty good over the years. She's up at Yale University, and she's doing a study with cluster headaches and 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 psilocybin, as well as a few others that are that are around the country now. Um, I don't remember when exactly what it was, but uh, I got to the point where I had no, you know, no other option, and I was getting pretty bad. It was I was going to that dark place, you know, uh, and it was day in day out attacks. Uh, I was. You know, still dealing with the fact that I had to retire early. I didn't want to leave the fire department. Yeah. Um, I was just looking for looking for relief. And uh, I said, you know what? The hell with it. I had, you know, I didn't have to worry about losing my job at that point. So I talked to somebody and talked to somebody else. And they said, oh, yeah, I know a guy that might, you know, he goes to he goes to Grateful Dead concerts, maybe or something. He might be able. So anyway, make a long story short, I was able to get a, 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 a you know, a couple of mushrooms. And I tried it. Uh, don't try this and, at home, uh, kids. Speak to don't try this at home. Full, dis- full disclosure. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh, it's not something you, you want to take lightly. Uh, but I did try it, and it put me in remission. It's they stopped the headaches cold. So um, since that point, I, I've used them from time to time, but I, I don't use them currently. But they do they do make a difference. So where I'm going with this is. You know, you've heard the stories and for some of you that have maybe dabbled in psychedelics, you might know more so what I'm talking about. But uh, it, I could describe it as I was just sitting in my backyard and, and I just had this realization. Um, it kind of brought me back to the pile and what was going on in my head at the time, the emotions that I was that, that I was feeling. It, it kind of it was like waking up. Um, I I was coming out of the influence. I wasn't really heavily in the influence, but I was just coming out of it. And I woke up and, and it's like, I, I, I suddenly realized how, how everything changed me, how all of these, you know, nine 11 and these other traumatic experiences uh, changed me. Um, and, and that led me on the path to healing. I, I, I it was that experience that, that woke me up and, and I said, I, I need to, I need to get help. I, I, they, that's what made me recognize it. You know, how I, how I treated other people, my outlook on life. Um, so many other aspects were changed, um, you know, from my time on the flight department, especially with 9-11 and stuff. So that led me to where I am today. Um, I still go to talk to us, you know, a psychologist. I, I, uh, it's taken some time to get where I am today, but this year, um, as compared to, you know, years prior on September 12th, when I walked out of my house in the morning, I felt like uh, a cloud had been lifted. Um, I, I, uh, I felt like I was, uh, <clears throat> like myself again, you know, I, I, I found myself again, you know? Um, yeah. I, I don't know if it's time you know, was the magic ingredient there with that? If all the therapy, if the, you know, wh- whatever it was, but I, I you know, it, it was big. And, and like, I, I didn't want to get too excited because, you know, I run around and tell everybody, Oh, I'm cured. You know, this or that, because, you know, 
I still, I still have the memories. It didn't go away. It's, it was still messed up, but I, I, it was sometimes in your head, you know, you get a thought, well, it's, you know, it, and it comes from your psyche, whatever. And it was just like my head telling me it's okay. Um, it's okay. You could be happy again. And I, I mean, I was walking the dog. <laughs> it was like, it, it hit me, it hit me and it was kind of heavy. Like, you know, yeah. like, something's happening, you know, like what? I haven't felt like this since I remember being a probing, you know, right. and the fire department, like, you know, so excited to be on a job and, and, and just like this, you know, the clouds lifted and the sun was bright again. It was kind of like feeling like that. And, uh, again, I wish I, I wish I knew exactly what it was, but most likely it's, it's probably a combination of things, but yeah, I mean, that's, and here I am, I'm still, still holding on to that and trying to, yeah. and obviously now I'm telling my, my story. So. Hopefully but you're, you're not alone in that, you know, I, I, oh, no, I, I, mentioned, I, I, I mentioned what, cause I, I, I spoke to my therapist yesterday and I mentioned what you said about September 12th and, and feeling a sense of relief because he's actually a retired fireman also. And okay. he told me that it wasn't the first time he heard somebody say that, uh, really? you know, that, that a, a bunch of other people told him the same thing. And like, we were just trying to figure out what why exactly was it the 20th anniversary what was it just you know because we've all been programmed to build up to that 20th anniversary right that's mm. for whatever reason i mean you and i have a different reason because of the, yeah. the cancers and all that stuff seeing um, yeah seeing ray you got my ray, ray. shirt on today ray but maybe Louis alvarez johnny mac i you know and i've been thinking Joe about Cooper. it and i'm and when the doctors tell us that that's when the clock starts, right. For the asbestos and, and that stuff, maybe there's a, a sense in that, like, like, all right, well now you, maybe you kind of have to feel better because you, you know, because you're like running out of time, that. you know, I don't want to yeah, say it that I, way, I like, you know. No, it's, but it's true. We're not, we're, we're not going to be here forever. Right. right. And we, we know that, but nobody, you know, it's not in the front of your head. It's not, you're not thinking about it all the time, but it, you know, right. it, it's, it's so true. It, it, we're not, going to live forever, you know, and, and you really need to make the best of the time that you have, you know, but not, not so worried about the end because it's going to come for all of us someday. You're born to die, but it's what you do in between and what you leave behind. I think is, is what's, uh, what's important, you know? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Kids, the family and, and <laughs> right. making, making, you know, keeping people safe and making this a better place to live. So right. It comes down to- and something you mentioned, uh, how you treat people. I think that that is the key, that, you know, that was we the all have problems, day, yeah. right? We mm. all, we all go through our stuff. I remember I was my neighbor, my old neighbor. Um, he didn't assault me. This was like a year or two ago, but he came very close, uh, and he was harassing me and whatever. So then he sent somebody over to me to apologize. And, and his claim was, you know, uh, he's got problems. And my response was, well, I have problems but that doesn't give you the right to take it out on other people in the street. Right. Yes. Like mm-hmm. we all have problems, but we have to, you have to deal with them yourself. You can't just take it out on other people. Uh, so, so once you realize that, how did you change? Like, did you, were you more conscious when you were around well, other people or? Uh, oh, oh, absolutely. I, I mean, uh, I mean, let's face it. Uh, I mean, how many times have you heard this since nine 11? Like how many guys in the firehouse have gotten divorced? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's for me, I looked at it like, Hey, I started seeing the way I was before and after, like I started realizing, and and it was the people closest to me, my wife, for instance, right. 
your, your, your temper, you know, with the kids you have, you know, depending on how old they are and this and that, whatever you have, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, you, know, you have, pa- you have patience, right. But mm-hmm. when in my case, and I think pretty much for everybody, it's your ability to handle adverse things, whether it's, you know, somebody breaking something at the house or somebody cutting you off, whatever that, that lowers it down a lot. You can't, you just can't deal with things um, because of whatever you got going on. You know, like that was, yeah. that was my, I mean, I, there was, I, I apologized to my wife a million times since then. Like I, I really treated her like, you know, she didn't deserve to be treated. And, and some of my friends as well, you know, I mean, it's just, you, you, you know, you, 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 that cloud, that, you know, the cloud that mm-hmm. I talked about, that like you always, it's always seems to follow you. It's, it's, uh, it affects you. And, and I, I, I didn't have the patience that I had for, for anything, you know, it, um, I wasn't, I wasn't as nice as I should have been. And, and, uh, you know, it took some time, it, 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 you know, it didn't happen overnight. It took a little time for me to really go back and realize, you know, um, and that was, you know, where the rubber hit the road, me going to talk to somebody. Cause I, I, I mean, the psychedelic thing woke me up. Um, but, and I did a lot of homework before I even took psychedelics and there's something called integrating or integration. And a lot of oh, you talking about microdosing, though, right? Like that's, that's um, like well, there's two different things. I, I didn't. Yeah. I, uh, microdosing uh, is it's a very small dose of psychedelics that actually um, you won't feel. Um, the only effects that you might feel from that are, are uh, you know, you might be a little clear-headed, uh, um, a little more um, uh, creative. Uh, this is what Silicon Valley's been doing for years. A lot of these CEOs have been using small doses, sub psychedelic doses of. Um, LSD or, or uh, psilocybin or what have you, but it was, uh, yeah. And like Mike, I'm forgetting what I'm talking about. <laughs> What's the question? <laughs> it, it, yeah. It, it was, um, the, uh, the integration, um, right. you, you going to figure out, um, what you learned during that experience. Right. For me, uh, you know, it, my experience was it, it woke me up to like how I treated other people and how this cloud, you know, I, I it was like the cloud was there during the whole time, you know, after 9-11. But when I was using that psychedelic drug to help me with my headaches, I also noticed the cloud. It, it let me look up and I said, hey, what the hell is that over in my head? That's that's the cloud, you know, and it, and it took that for me to really seek out the help. But the integration part is when you go and you sit down with the therapist and you, and you share your thoughts and, and, and uh, you work it into your life. You integrate what you've learned during that experience into your life. And, and that's, like I said, it was huge for me. You know, I don't know, I don't know where I would be today if I didn't have that, you know, if I didn't have that experience. Yeah. Unfortunately for you though, you always look angry anyway. So you're stuck with that. Uh, Especially now, because I'm right. <laughs> unfortunately, you know, you got resting angry face, but I can't lie. I can't lie right now. Cause it looks like I just came out of, maybe I, I got to say, I just had a job, but you know, I just put out three rooms of fire. You know? like, I could assure uh, you yeah, no. for everyone watching on YouTube, uh, he's not angry. I, I, I don't think I've known <laughs> the angry Joe. I think I must've met you after your, uh, after your awakening. I but, hear you. I hear you. That's funny. But listen, you know, I feel like it can be anything that that wakes you up, right? Um, I I had that cloud over me uh, 
for a long time too. And actually it was a conversation with Ray. Yeah, I've talked about it before. Um, yeah. that woke me up, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was going down that bad road. Um, it was right. You, you probably remember it was right. Right. When I found that I had to have the second surgery on my neck, which was like yeah, 2017, you know, and I, I the hardware debacle, right? Right. And I, you know, I, I thought I was on my way to healing when I found out that I, you know, I wasn't, it was getting worse and I had to start over and, you know, I'm still starting, <laughs> I'm still dealing with it, but you know, so I was in a bad way and I locked myself in the garage and, and exactly what you just said. I, I, I started taking it out on everyone around me, you know, well, the people who, who stayed, um, mm. you know, yeah. my wife and kids and, and, and it was a phone call from Ray, you know, I, I was drinking a lot and, and I didn't want to have the surgery. And he was, I think he was like, it was like two or three days before he died, you know? Um, and he just kind of snapped me out of it. You know, he was like, yeah. <laughs> you he's got still, your friends he's a, and your family. He was, he, you know, he just had a way. He's the senior. Ray, Ray was the senior man. He was always, yeah. the, you know, he was always the guy that had the had the experience and and you know to grab you and say, "Hey, kid, take it easy," you know. Right. He he, he, uh, he was consoled. You know, Stewart, right? John Stewart in Washington. He talking about the the prayer cards. You know, I mean, that, yeah. that's the kind of guy Ray was. He 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 was a true brother a true fireman, a true brother. I mean, he, you know, no better example than, than Ray Pfeiffer. He ran the widows and children's. He, you know, he, he lives to fight for others and to help, you know, to help everybody. So sure, not and surprising he, that he helped you. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, and I think he made me realize like that I was just feeling sorry for myself like that, you know, if, and if Ray, after everything he went through with the almost yeah. 10 years of cancer and, mm. you know, having all his bones replaced, everything he went through, the pain he must've suffered. He didn't feel sorry for himself, right? He didn't stop, no. uh, you know, he, which is why I told you on Monday, which is why I got in the car because, you know, we, you know, he told me, I don't know if it was in that conversation or he texted me something, but it said, uh, no matter how you feel, you get up, you dress up and you show up. And it's simple and it sounds like a cliche, but you know, it's like a, a sign, uh, in the progressive commercial that the, uh, when you turn into your parents that you would hang on. Yeah. Your wall, you know? <laughs> But yeah. uh, for me, it worked, you know, and that's what I, that's what gets me in the car. And that's what, that's what helps me when I don't think there's anything left in the tank. You know, the fact that I still have a tank <laughs> right. is enough, yes. uh, is enough perspective, uh, right. To, you know, to get there and, and give an emotional, you know, uh, I mean, we've seen it, speech. we've seen it, <laughs> we've seen it, like you, said, you know, Ray, right. How many, how many times, you know, his body riddled with cancer. Uh, he's, he still was down there doing, you know, wasn't walking. He was rolling the halls of Congress at that time, but, and you knew, you could see it on his face. He was hurting, man, but he still, he still pushed through. And in the end, right. I mean, Louis Alvarez, you know, we, we were both in that room, man. You know, when, when he, when he, uh, testified in front of uh, that committee, I mean, you could agree. I, you could, you could feel the electricity in the air right there you know yeah. when when he when he was speaking and we looked we, we you know we knew how bad he was you know i mean everybody could see how you know you know how sick he was from from the chemo and from the cancer but he was there he could have laid down and and just said you know what but he got up and and he did it like that's ray was was the same way like how do you not get inspiration from these guys you know that no matter how bad it gets you still you just 
keep fighting, you know, get up and yeah. fight and, and, you know, live your life. Yeah. yeah. We had some, we had some good mentors and, and those guys. Right. And as well as a, a bunch of others in the fire department. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. Definitely. Um, so before I let you go, I, is there anything you could take? Cause you know, I, I really want this, this show to help other people, right. Especially other firefighters who, who see all this, bad shit that we've seen you know um because it, yeah. it happens every day all day you never know when it's coming and like i said before you could be doing cpr on a two-year-old and, and an hour later you could be at your kid's birthday party right mm-hmm. that's uh, and you can't deal with it then right because you you got your you know so you know psychedelics aside um what kind of advice would you give on how to deal deal with it um besides drinking like like we did all those years ago. Um, don't don't listen to the don't listen to the guy in the firehouse that's uh, that's going to tell you you're uh, that you're a wuss for uh, seeking out help. Um, yeah, I, I mean, what you need to know as a fireman that there are other people out there, other firefighters that are going through the same crap that you're going through now, and you know, not addressing it um, does not help. And it only makes it worse. And I, I'll, I'll sum it up this way. Um, the best way I can describe it is if, like, you have this little box in your head, right? And all of the mess up stuff that you see and all the mess up stuff that happens to you or your family, whatever, it, it all gets put in this box. And you, your psyche, closes the box and you lock the box and it gets chained up and glued and you try to hermetically seal it to forget about all of that stuff. The problem is, you can't hermetically seal that box. You can't stop it from leaking. It's eventually going to leak and it's going to leak into other aspects of your life. And chances are it's going to, it's going to leak into personal relationships at work, uh, your family and your loved ones, like your wife, your spouse, or what have you. You can't, you cannot ignore it. If you're feeling it, at all, go and talk to somebody and, and don't worry about the stigma. You don't have to tell anybody you're going to talk to somebody. If you still feel like you don't, you don't want to be seen, seem as, as weak or, you know, or, or, uh, or what have you, you don't have to tell anybody you're going, you know, you, you go, go on your own, go outside of the job, even if you could, but, but go and talk to somebody because that's the, the only way you can prevent it from getting any worse. And, and you can try to, you know, get back to, you know, to baseline to where you were to that happy point. You know, it's very difficult, but go out and get help. That's good advice. And and ultimately you're saving yourself time, right? Like, don't you wish you realized that sooner and got those years back? Right. Big time. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm lucky that my, my family hung in there with me. Um, you know, that, that I wasn't one of these statistics with firefighters and divorce, you know, um, it's 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 worth it it's worth it to go get the help and to, and to talk to somebody absolutely i highly recommend it all right well i've kept you a long time uh thank you i know i told you it'd be quick but uh i think this <laughs> is important stuff for people to hear it absolutely is absolutely and thanks for coming on and thanks for uh you know for putting up with me when i was uh <laughs> in the cloud uh you know people like you and mike um dragging me to concerts and watching movies with me and just, just being there, uh, helped me. And, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, so love you too, man. <laughs> love you too, bro. <laughs> 
All right, man. Now go put some uh, lotion on that forehead. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get some sun, some sunblock or something. Yeah, do something. All right, all right. bro. Be well. Thank you. Hey guys, and welcome back to Frankie's Firehouse Feast. Today we are making my dad's tortellini soup. First, cut a large Vidalia onion into half moons and chop a few cloves of garlic. Put them both in a large pot with some olive oil and heat. Then wash two bags of spinach and add them to the pot. Mix it up and toss in half a stick of butter. Cover it for a few minutes and allow the spinach to cook down. Then, add two large cans of chicken broth. Add the salt and pepper to taste and stir it occasionally. Now, in a separate pot, boil a pound of tortellini. When finished, add to the soup and sprinkle on Parmesan cheese to taste. If the guys are really hungry, cook up some grilled cheese sandwiches on the side. Chow's on! Thanks, Frankie. That was my favorite lunch to make at the firehouse on a nice, cool fall day. Although, it made it a little tough to get through the rest of the tour, uh, but I think everybody always enjoyed it. I know I did. Thanks to Joe for coming on on such short notice. Thanks for your openness and your honesty. I think it's important for people to hear about your type of journey um, and how you came out on the other side. So thank you. Thanks for listening. As I mentioned in the show, uh, this hasn't been the best week for me. Um, In all honesty, this has been a slow recovery. Uh, Not that I was feeling too great going in, but uh, this virus has really kicked my ass. So with that in mind, I'm going to be taking a week off here. And uh, for the short term, I'll be releasing an episode every two weeks. Uh, I apologize, but I need to take care of myself. And I want to bring you the best content that I can. So be well, everybody. Uh, I'll be back in a couple weeks after I fill up my tank a little bit. But maybe in the meantime, try to reflect on how you treat other people. if you have relationships that needs to be fixed or if you need to say you're sorry uh, or if someone wants to say they're sorry to you, talk about it. Listen. It's never too late. Stay low, my friends. Join the squad now at patreon.com or subscribe at staylow.us to catch every episode of the Firefighters Podcast, powered by Righteous Media. Righteous Media.